it was a Tuesday, but it felt like a Friday. The first time I got to play with an Easy Bake Oven. I always begged my parents for one, but they never gave me one. I think it was because they didn't want to, like, you know, add to my weight. And then I finally got to play with one. And I got my whole fantasy. I had the apron. I was catering after my man. I forgot his name, of course. No one cared, but my dad did. And of course, that's all I cared about. When he saw me serving, catering, he wasn't gagging. He snatched me up quick, and that fear stuck because I had thought I had done something wrong to him and to myself. The unexplained questions led to resentment. I didn't know why I shouldn't like myself. I didn't know why they were mad at me. And so then, from there on out, the sense of loneliness, the fear and the outsider in me was established. I can't begin to describe how unsettled I felt after that moment. I didn't understand what was going on because they didn't understand me. A miscommunication I didn't know at the time had lit the match of resentment. In fact, for the longest time, I gave my resentment so much validation I classified it as emotion. By allowing myself the opportunity to flip the pages on these earlier chapters of my life, I realized I was so fucking wrong. Resentment is a result of emotions that are left unspoken for. It's a poison that taints the best of our lives so you can somehow find acceptance from those who chose to validate you. On the subject of gender, in those early years, I remember flashes. Our first memories become like dreams as we get older. Music was always abundant in my home. My father always playing records. And as I danced, the sounds that touched me came from those iconic women sharing the strengths and obstacles of femininity. Maybe my duality grounds itself in my Gemini sun, but I know the spectrum exists for us all, and some are more mobile. As fate would have it, she appeared, a glamorous idol protected in plastic covering amongst discontinued sauces and a few french fries scattered at the bottom of the bag. I finally had what I wanted, a toy encompassing all I loved and valued. I'll never understand how beauty can be taboo, but like cattle to the slaughter, my parents swiftly liberated my one and only doll from their four-year-old son's possession, a protective and preventative measure to the dangers of femininity. Yet it was a crime of ignorance still pervasive in the black childhood experience, a subject to be expanded on. What do these actions change? Alone, I still created female characters out of the tinker toys draped in blankets that became the flowing dresses I wished I could wear, but playing pretend only lasts for so long. But at least I had Disney and musicals. And still, in spite of what I know, I believe if my atoms were to have formed a bit differently, my tears would flow a little easier, yet I cannot say the same for my fears. But what to do when you are unsure that others actually like you? For who could love the complicated me when phrases like one of the girls and be a man become like the sea inside a hailstorm already roaring since your birth? He already explained that you contain multitudes, so just believe it and be that transparent eye, because that will set you free. You'll learn, eventually, however, to accept the man, the woman, the me. Annie.
out and trying to just bare my soul. It's Nunu Parish, y'all. And it's the second most vulnerable person on this podcast, Rafi. And this is Wait, Don't, don't do, do it. it. The show we tell you to wait. Just be you. I was going to say welcome back to... Oh, yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Bitch, it's season two, honey. Girl, it has been a long time coming. Have y'all been waiting for this? Because I know we have been working for this. Oh, my God. Guys, we have been in production for the last couple months all summer. We have two new warehouses. And... <laughs> <laughs> We're expanding. Boston's going to get a location. Wait, don't... <laughs> Oh, yes. No, but in all seriousness, we have been working these past months just to really reflect on what has been important to us um, and what's important for you all as listeners, of course, and what we want you to do with this platform, right? I don't want this platform to go to waste because I loved our season one, but I don't think that we had a theme, per se, or kind of a direction. And this season, we really took charge of our narrative, I feel like, and actually have, like, a narrative and perspective, I think. Absolutely. So we are reintroducing you to Wait, Don't Do It, the show we tell you to reflect on your childhood experiences. At least in season two. Because this is season two, girl. And some of y'all, you know, y'all gonna skip season one, so welcome. (laughs) Make sure to follow iTunes and shit. It really, just, I think this this topic and this theme for season two came up because, I mean, I went to therapy and you've been a therapy girl. So we brought guests this season. We have interviews. People actually talk to us. And yeah. <laughs> and they, I just, I'm so excited for these interviews to finally go on air because I... They've been amazing. I really, really re, I realized that though we got a very diverse cast this season, people should take note, but through the diversity in our cast, I feel like we still we're able to re- like relate to every single uh, ma- guest in a different way. And it kind of outshined and gave us answers and closure to kind of things that we, we might have been holding on to during our childhood. Absolutely. It's like you're like the ethnically ambiguous woman on the Tampax commercials. Wait, don't do it is. <laughs> don't do it presents. But that's, yeah, so we have guests and... And we are here to, first of all, you listen to our monologues, right? So we are bearing our soul to you as our listeners because the only way we're going to grow is by really putting it off there. Because I know that that story that I told about preschool and that whole thing with the Easy Bake Oven, I remember that just resonating. And and now now I have some more clarity in in the history of my life. I realized that that was the moment that I kind of had to start growing in fear. I know that you pointed out in me that sometimes I'm scared to be like the first one or to like stand out sometime or be seen, but that was a moment that I really like had to start thinking about my existence in this world and how maybe I would have been different. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of why I told that story. And I just reflected on, you know, of course, my moments are always craving femininity, you know, now that I do drags. <laughs> you do drag. You commit, you're committed. You've done, first of all, New New Paris uh, was born yet for born last year, girl. But she has been doing a new look. She's Fifi O'Hara. Oh, uh, before, every day girl. after Fifi O'Hara, but she's been doing a new look every week for this podcast. She pulled out looks from T-shirts. I applaud you, Nina Paris. And you'll see me on Dracula <laughs> season nine if if they ever release these episodes. Amazon Prime is dragging them right now. Okay, maybe should we get out TV. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, but my my story was just kind of about you know something I've always craved, which is femininity. It's kind of like that that meme where it says, "If you wanted to be a witch when you're younger, you're definitely gay now." 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> like of that, you know, because you crave those female icons because there's such strength there, and I just love the expressing femininity. It's that monologue was so you because as you were reading, I was like, yeah, this is so new, new. How would you, would you say that that was the moment that kind of made you that like lit the match of I might be different or why is this happening or why why is that wrong? I guess so because it stands out. right? It stands out, right? Yeah. You know, it, it was just kind of that moment that told me I couldn't do certain things because we didn't tell each other even if about, I wanted to because we didn't tell about our, tell each other about our monologues until now. Right, right. It's a so, reveal. It's a reveal. <laughs> so it, it's funny that we both had those moments. Uh, like like the, the the quintessential moments of I feel like every gay and lesbian transgender person out there that wow I'm different why is it wrong right right and that's something we explore this season on our podcast because today's episode is about gender but we'll also be exploring femininity feminism um, queer immigrant status the Latinx community and just and where our that representation turns, and where that turns into what that turns into in your adult life because all these things happen to us as child children but then how does it, it manifest go? yeah and you said something great in your monologue of uh, these experiences that we had turn into dreams and we forget about them Right, absolutely. I, I think it becomes up to you to really reflect, and it's, even though it's uncomfortable, like that cringe feeling when you're like, oh my God, I used to be like this, and this is such a weird time, and, and to start creating your own collage of sorts, your own mural. You and know? It's, you're able to be so much nicer to yourself. Absolutely, because you, you know what you're capable of where you come, and you're, you're as much as in, you're in strength, you're empowered, um, and your failures, as well as your successes, you know, you're still mm-hmm. that person. Let's kick off our <laughs> season two premiere and discuss gender and how it relates to childhood. So what is gender? Gender is the... Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the picture on a bathroom. Oh my God, that's... <laughs> I mean, but that's what it is. It's literally like, it's that basic, it's that rudimentary, but it's that all everywhere. And how like, even like in gender neutral spaces of like queerness and love, there's boys and girl bathrooms. And there's like, yeah, they'll have like a a special bathroom for all genders, but that's like... What a family restroom. Family restroom, yeah. Yeah, So, like, you know what I'm saying? All the gays go to the family restroom. I do, too. For multiple reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Those uh, to-go enemas, right, CVS? Sponsored by Is it all enemas to-go? What enema is not to-go? I, one time after Pride, was walking down the street of 14th Street. It has nothing to do with Charlotte. But I saw a to-go enema, and it was the size of my palm, actually. You, I promise you that was a thing. I did. Wow. The yeah. girls are using science Thirsty. for a great thing. Thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> there are kids dying, but... Of course, gender is a social construct. That's why we can tear it apart, right? It's this binary idea um, for male and female based on chromosomes that you have to do a certain set of ascribed behaviors. Um, wearing the colors blue versus pink or, you know, not showing emotion. You know the deal. I don't have to tell y'all. But what is the difference between gender and sex? Um, of course... Biological sex refers to how you're born, DNA and shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whether you have an XY chromosome, I mean, you're a male, or XX for female, but we see a lot of variation of XXY, XXX, XY, you know, a lot of uh, combinations that result in still either the same gender presentation or what we consider intersex. So there, there's so much that we're more than binary just as a species. Um, so sex is really just at the biological sense what you were 
how your body formed, right? So when did you start thinking about gender as a kid? I think you always think about gender because, you know, you get that giddiness when you're doing something that you're not supposed to. Like, I remember being four and, you know... I love those clear heels we had at the playroom, bitch. That was serious. I just wanted that. I knew it wasn't for but me. But why? Do you know? Do you ever wonder why? Because my homosexual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, but like to me, like where? Like, I just think I, I just think it comes from what you like. I mean, I, I don't even think it comes from. I mean, of course, I do think there's nature and nurture play a, a, a role. I do think people come predisposition with certain things, of course, but like where your environment may bring it out more. But like clothes are just clothes, you know. They're not. Ascribe, so you know, I just want to feel taller. Like, I like the feeling of heels on my feet, not that because it's a girl, you know what I mean? Oh, you're a step beyond where I'm at, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you she, get it, ladies. She, I don't be tall, I'll be fierce. <laughs> I always was, I guess, like my first what I would think about femininity and strength was like Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider was my girl, I always loved Tomb Raider, that was my superhero. I didn't really care about all the boys out there, like. Batman, Storm, and Jean Grey, honey. They were working girls. Oh, yeah. But, like, yes, I would rather watch a movie about Storm and all the women that are superheroes than any of the men. But that was, like, again, in Mortal Kombat when I was always choosing the girls. I always choose the girls. There was always something about fierceness about women that I never understood why society didn't follow suit. Especially in school, I remember even, like, Anne Frank being such a, like, representative of, like, Resilience, and I didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like my culture to resemble with, but that was even, I remember, an icon for me back in the day. So I wonder where all that all comes from and why men, for for example, has never been. Was it from that moment that my dad really snatched me up? Was that a moment that like my trust in men or my expectation of men changed? I wonder if that moment really stuck with me because that, like I touched on to the, in my monologue, it, I felt resentment after that. Gender is such a binary that it, it really. It really restricts us. I think the male-specific expression is just so boring. Like, we don't have fun clothes. We don't have anything. You know, a lot of gays, like us, we're creatives, we're artists. And I think we see Mortal Kombat characters of these women as people that can do both. Like, they're pretty, they're fierce, but they can also kick ass. And I think that is something that's really cool instead of just being, like, male, tough, no emotion. That's how it always is. There's no variation, you know. Mm -hmm. That's why we adore people like Elton and... Michael Jackson and just people, you know, they were not afraid, yeah. Characters that shook it up because, like, males can be so much more than how they're generally expressing, you know. But I, I don't think I've ever felt any resentment. I mean, did you feel resentment when they took away that, that Barbie doll? I was annoyed and I couldn't find it, so I was like, man. But I got over it. I don't know. I guess, but I also, I mean, I think it depends on your childhood because I feel like I definitely ascribe to like a family doctrine like I was like well if my parents say it's not right then whatever especially when I was younger oh I I mean but my parent, my mom is very I was a good kid unlike some of us I was a great kid I was a I was definitely <laughs> the good one of all the uh, batches and I know that's no shade but my sister was a wild one <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my brother I mean he just had it hard I feel bad for him but he had it hard I was just like the, the baby so I just like got but I also always saw my mom as someone who was a rebel, who always, like, went against the grain. And like I said, when my mom, I saw my mom's rebellious side, of course I'm going to react the same way to the situation. Because, I'm, I'm, I'm Francisco Yemezor to the T. 
give me some of those quintessential experiences that made you be annoyed that you were a boy, that you were annoyed, oh, you had to conform and stay that in the standard. That is such a good question because there's so many, there's so many glitter, elementary. I mean, glitter pens. When uh, I should I, go back and forth, just do a <laughs> glitter, glitter, pens. glitter pens. Glitter pens. Glitter pens was like fifth grade. That's when I knew I started liking boys because sixth grade is when my first crush on a boy. So fifth grade was like I started wanting glitter pens, but everyone bullied me for having them. And just like also like when my family would uphold these, and they still do, they uphold these like dumb things like, oh, the women are over there, so you got to stick with the boys. I or, hate that. Or I would, I would have, like, I just stay with the girls. I would have so much rather like help my mom cook something than have to go lo- clean like lawn, like landscape whatever my dad right. is. Right. I always hated that like in gym or in school they're like boys or it's girls like no. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and the boys were just like awful. They were just awful to me. So in gym class that was a great, great another one. Yes. Gym class was um, a good time. I remember I remember specifically elementary we had on the recesses war uh, boys versus girls but I was like a secret ally spy and I would use my jacket to like help the girls like, like hit people with my jacket. <laughs> like a whip. Because I was that girl, honey. You are loyal. I yeah. Uh, I was like, girls. Well, I, I was like, yeah, it's different, you know. <laughs> but she wasn't gay yet. <laughs> no. Um, I had my first kiss in first grade with a girl. I kissed my first girl when I was second grade. Ew. But we were like best friends, Sarah. Mine was accidental, Chamel. <laughs> Did you fall on her lips? We were just playing a game, and then we ended up like kind of like getting too close, and we kissed, and we just like act like it didn't happen. So th- those were the times that you felt like the most uncomfortable. Yeah, class? and then you know, again, like I, I alluded to my monologue. I mean, I spent so much time watching Spice Girls and doing performances, you know, watching Disney movies, Disney princesses, filling my Cinderella fantasy, and just like wanting to wear these dresses. I'm like, it'd be so fun and so flowy. You can move around. I. It's funny because Old Navy sucks. <laughs> It's funny because I... That's enough. Oh, you're right. Like, when my, when my, I would be so pissed when my mom and my sister would go to women-only stores like Rainbow, Girl Rainbow, but like Ugh. all the other ones, like Charlotte Russe, and I couldn't get anything. And it was all really cute stuff, and I could never get anything. That was another I thing. I know. Because I was hung out with size. that. My dad never shopped, so I, all my shopping experiences were with women. And I think that's what contributed to because, I mean, you know, my mom... I shot my mom. Forever. My mom's not a big shopper, but every time she went shopping, she took me. So like, I always knew which foundations. I helped her always pick her lipsticks, her shoes. But she expected you not to be right. Like, but so to me, I was like always, you know, if she would like confide in me about things about going on at work and stuff, and you know, sometimes she would accidentally call me girl, and so like <laughs> <laughs> that's a drag on you, go. And, and I was always like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because I just always wanted to be one of the girls. <laughs> I used to be like, yeah. and, I, and I do think, you know, people know in my real life, I have this, like, housewife fantasy I live by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, I just, re- I don't know what it is, but I just relate to women and female issues. I don't listen to, like, there's, like, an event at my workplace, and they're like, okay, everyone thinking their favorite singer is to perform. I'm like, I'm Beyonce. <laughs> like, all you guys are naming same gender things. Like, I can't think of a male I relate to. I can't think of females, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Like, they are what is powerful. You can have a your body changes. You can have a baby. You go through pain. You go through all the ridicule. You still look amazing and fierce and do anything. I just think it's strength. I think it's, like, ultimate power. So we have a change in our thumbnail. Rafi has these fierce new pink glasses, right? And my hair is darker to just match my actual... I don't know why I turned my hair brown for the first one, but now I'm like, yeah, black hair. 
Yeah, that's probably what it was. <laughs> and then I was like, no, girl, she's authentic. Um, but you are now a drag queen on the... Um, I'm, you know, there's, no, there's no makeup on, you know, and emojis, y'all. So we need to protest and get Apple to do that because the girls wear makeup. You know yeah, what I mean? There was, the makeup was not tea. Um, but I, I'm wearing my iconic purple wig. You can see me around 14th Street and, you know, running around D.C. with it. Um, sure. Um, and just wearing my normal beat. I, I love... Playing in makeup, I love palettes and just creating color stories and and moments on my eyes. So where's where's this? Go- I brought this up because where's this going? Because your evolution and drag has only grown from with this podcast. So and after like, I think I've always said like, like I said I really relate to women in some experiences that I've had. But you really live the fantasy. <laughs> my mom has never called me Mija. <laughs> And I would have lived, too, if she would have called me out. But that definitely never happens. As we have these discussions on gender and binary and really expanding to the spectrum, it gets so interesting, you all. I think now that I do drag more consistently, um, it really blurs the line of, like, how you view yourself. Like, I definitely feel confident, and I still currently, I guess, identify as cisgendered, and I, and I, I feel confident in my, my male clothes and stuff, but I also feel like so beautiful and so fierce and so you know whatever and female clothes and drag and just like all drag queens and, and it's it's weird I don't know like I sometimes I just feel really really feminine but sometimes I feel really masculine you know sometimes but what does it do you, well, yeah because you've mentioned like you it makes you like really question like your gender sometimes and but has it like made you start looking more into the women's aisles and clothing because I remember when I fought, first bought my first like I'm, the sweater I'm wearing now is women's like, when I first bought my first piece of women's clothing, that broke the ice for me to start shopping in the women's section. And, like, kind of, I, like... I don't think it's thinking, broken the ice for me because I think well, there's just some body things that are still going on. I, I think... I, right. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big man. <laughs> I'm not, like, a big man, but, you know, I'm You have I'm a tall. fat pussy. It's okay. Ah! <laughs> I'm, like, six foot, and, you know, I... I, I I don't know where am I? I. I'm also confused on my body at this point because these men make us feel so sad, <laughs> <God>, ladies. <laughs> but like for real, like sometimes I feel like really like good about my body. I'm like I don't think I'm like fat. I don't think I'm like you know mm. blah blah blah. But then I think it's because I live in a straight world, and then the gay world. I do think I'm like obese, and so like women, I can't fit in women's clothes, kind of. I think that you brought a great point. If you were a straight man, I think you'd be totally chill with where you're at. And I think me too. And I yeah. think that speaks for a lot. I think the gay, our gays have inherited this thing from women culture of body shaming and just like the, the may the fittest survive. And by fittest, the prettiest. Right. The most, the, the trophies. And because um, I just, but like, I've, I think, and you've always come across as super confident to me, always very self-aware, but I feel like now you have a more, like I said, more comfortability with kind of breaking away from being so passing. Because I think you've always kind of tried to, co- you've code-switched way more than I have ever had to. I just so think how I'm you- a very adaptable person as a Gemini. Honestly, I just think that's what it is. I, I think I just adapt to whatever situation I'm in. But I do find, like, still now at work, I'm like... You guys consider me like a male because sometimes I think they expect things out of me that males do. But I'm like, no, I'm just like. Have you voiced that because you're? Have you, you, no, because I, I think, I, and again, that's, I think it's important to have this discussion. As 
male presenting people or cisgender males, we still have inherent privileges. I know in my field, being a male and a male of color is a privilege. So, so of course, I get certain things that maybe other people wouldn't because there is just it's a more female-dominated field, you know what I mean? So they, they try to keep males, they try to make sure males stay around so they might do a bit more extra, which, of course, I would enjoy. But at the same time, I just feel like one of the girls. I deal with all women all the time. I'm, like, the only male in my office. So to me, I just feel like... <laughs> the girls too. I don't know. I think that's what also has influenced it. Also, your environment. Maybe if you're around more boys. I was never around boys like that though. I was the, I was around boys when I was in in middle school and until high school. That's when all the girls. I only had girlfriends. I never because every school I went to had more girls than males. Like K through college, they always yeah. Because you always went to safe schools. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a former women's college. <laughs> she did. She literally did, y'all. She always... W- so, my head, I guess, maybe I just have always been in female spaces, so maybe that is what has contributed to that. That's cool self-awareness. Like, I think that's... I'm just more comfortable in that spaces. I'm comfortable seeing women in charge. I'm comfortable seeing women be both passive and aggressive and assertive and being all spectrums and doing it. something that we talked about with our guests that we talk about, uh, that we talk about gender with, uh, Jamie is his, we call it, like, size privilege or whatever, yeah. but, like, being petite, you can get away with, or a, a smaller frame, you can get away with pulling off femininity and it being accepted. But, like I said, me and you have always talked about being broader-shouldered, bigger men. Therefore, it just looks weird. And I, like I said, but even you have more of a femininity to your walk, sashay, to your hand motions than I do when I'm in, like, if I feel like if I was in drag... Right. Some I, of us are princesses, some of us are ogres. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Fiona. Beast. Listen, listen, <laughs> Fiona. the beauty you're in. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so even though you're a bigger man. <laughs> true, though, right? <laughs> but, no. <laughs> but, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you've kind of broken that... Do you think you've broken that threshold of like, because I mean, you did, you watched Pride, you knew. You probably, you came out <laughs> to the world in Pride before we ran for our lives. So, so. I feel like if you run for your life in heels, are you a woman? Yes. <laughs> You're so bad. You're so bad. <laughs> yeah, so walking Pride, you know, and I wasn't even like fully female. I was just wearing like heels. And but like, that's what I'm saying. But that, that was a big step. And that's and even scarier for me, I feel like, sometimes, is being that like ambiguous, like, what, it, what are Gender they? fuck. Gender fuck is way more, uh, it's like you said, it's a fuck you more than I feel like if you were really I just trying think to be people a woman. are just, you know, I, I want to take up time to just talk about transgender women and transgender women of color because this is perilous times for our community because they're our private community but I just don't think we uplift them in, in the best way um, something about gender that is inherently dangerous is you know how rigid the, the expectations are and that causes you know so much of this hate and so much of this intolerance and violence um because men are number one taught that they can't like another man mm-hmm. um, or just any other expression. Um, so you know you can't like male, you can't like feminine men, men you know all these all these different versions. Even though there's um, proof that they're out there. Right, you know, and all that causes such insecurity and anger and anger, you know, and so much of our 
I feel like season one was maybe focused on like this is what white people were doing, but you know, black men are killing black yeah. trans women. Yeah, that's just a fact, and it comes from that toxic masculinity, that gender breeds, but also you know the expectations that makes it hard for people who uh, transition um, to feel you know who, their authentic self. But you know, because you know, depending on how you're made biologically, because some of us like if it's me. You know, if I was wearing heels and a wig and everything, I'd be like 6'4", and that's automatically a tell, and that's automatically puts my life in danger, and mm-hmm. automatically, you know, makes things a thousand times harder for me. Being a person of color looking like this versus someone with a petite frame or someone, yeah. with, you know, who could pass more. And that's, and that's been the case, you know, not just in this scenario, but... I mean, about civil rights, you know, there's certain people of color that can pass for white or lighter, and, you know, it's harder um, if you were, you know, dark in that situation. So I just think these rigid rules really put everyone in danger. Mass shootings, toxic, I mean, everything's rooted in gender, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? All this is rooted in the toxic masculinity that is bred from these gender binaries. Literally. (laughs) That's why it's so important to talk about. So what's happening next week, Raffi? We are interviewing Jamie Alano. Hey, girl. She's a popular YouTuber, UMD socialite, and president of the business school there. The whole business school? No. She's, she's, uh, she has leadership roles uh, within various organizations of the business school. Point of fact, she was busy, and she took the time to come talk to us about her experience as a Filipino queer immigrant into this country and what perspectives come from that and being non-binary and what femininity meant to them in those early years of childhood absolutely so we're going to continue these discussions um, because we know you want more and we want more so stay tuned because now the best part about this season is that it's a narrative it's a story so hold on tight. Because we're going to be bearing our soul to you, sharing our stories, sharing truths with our individuals that hopefully connect to you and your family. So that leaves us with, my name is Rafi. And my name is Nunu Parish, y'all. And this is season two of... Wait, don't do it! Oh, Lord, get ready. We're back. Adios, putos, <laughs> niños, niñas, and everything in between you. Yeah.